0: To the pass, hold it. Defense number 33. Five-yard penalty. Automatic first down. Greetings and welcome to the Roger Goodgroves Officiating Podcast. Um my name's Sukdeep Pooney and uh, of course we've got Roger here with us again. Um Roger, what do you think to the uh new music?
1: It sounds really good. I mean really impressed with Stuart. I knew it, I knew his musical capabilities, uh, but putting it together for me, that's really wonderful.
0: Exactly. And uh, you know, things like that just uh you know it just brings a whole new element to the podcast and obviously a lot of new a lot of new changes now going to be made over the course of the next few days which you guys will hear about but one thing that's not changed is the officiating uh podcast as we now like to call it rather than a section um so we've got a, a number of talking points again for this week uh we'll go through them sort of one by one um, Roger but how are you how are you doing anyway
1: yeah really busy Um, um, there's been so much going on and recording various different podcasts I've got a board meeting tonight for the referees association and uh, I'm training a couple of new rookies so uh, got a a few things on that's keeping me busy which is good
0: that's fantastic and uh, I was um, up at your neck of the woods only uh, last week wasn't it Roger unfortunately I didn't have a chance to sort of uh come and see you but maybe next time um
1: yeah you'll be most welcome i'll be in my new house by then hopefully
0: yeah fingers crossed but I, I just want to give a shout out to pixie galleries i know a number of our listeners sort of use them but um i've got a lot of um on my nfl memorabilia framed from them so they should be here in a couple of weeks so i'll try and send some pictures on the um on the twitter page uh, just so you guys can have a look but it's always it's always good to plug a local business isn't it
1: oh, absolutely <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, but let's talk about some of the officiating decisions. Now, the first one we're going to talk about is um, Thursday night football and my Bucks getting a penalty <laughs> for a um, roughing the passer, Shaq Barrett. Now, we know Shaq likes to sort of, you know, he's very explosive when he comes off the run. And, <laughs> you know, on this occasion, has he, has he, has he been... You know, is it the right decision? I, I personally don't think it was, but what, what are your calls on this? Well, norm-
1: normally when a fan says to me, my team got shafted by the referees, I'm fairly certain I could put money on the fact that they were wrong. That's the normal situation. However, I think in this yep. scenario, I've got you trained to look in a slightly different way, and I think you're oh, actually yeah. right. Although I can see why the, the flag on the field was there. Um, right, right. Basically, what you have, uh, you have uh, a Bucks defender coming in on the passer just as he releases the ball. And uh, there are a number of things you can't do to the passer, as we know for roughing the passer, um, when they're passing the ball. And the reason is they're defenseless when they're passing the ball. Their concentration is elsewhere. They're not able to brace for contact. So you've got to be careful about what you do. You can't hit them in the neck and head and neck air, and you can't take their knees out that's a couple of things that come into play specifically and you can't land on them with all your body weight they're the predominant factors and what you have is the guy coming in and what happens here is the ref is lined up so that he is looking through the quarterback at the oncoming action so I don't think he has a great view of it is the in his defense and hmm. um, the defender comes in high and that's where the defender can really um, take some of the blame for this which is whilst he initially hits the player in the shoulder area because he is coming in high there is some incidental contact with the helmet to the face cage of the quarterback now for the foul of roughing the pass this needs to be more than just incidental contact but because the referee straight line for this he just sees his head move and didn't see where the initial contact was. Now, huh. the mechanics have actually changed uh, in college football to, for, for who's looking for this. And they actually have help uh, in the backfield now um, on um, NCAA Division One crews, um, so that they actually get a different angle on this. And if you looked at it from the other side angle, you would actually see the shoulder contact coming in and the incidental contact with the helmet. But straight line from the referee's position, he gets just see his head move. He's coming in high, safety foul, they're going to call that every day. So whilst yeah. I can see why it was called, I don't agree with it. If you look at it and slow it down in replay, which is a, obviously a, a, an advantage you don't have on the field.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, like you say, with these decisions, it, it wasn't as if it was near, you know, sort of, you know, midway through, even it was towards you know the the end of where you know bear's starting position. So even the books could have capitalized later on, and you know avoided yeah. uh you know bears getting the point. So you know they've only got themselves to blame, regardless <laughs> of you know what's happened. Um, I I like to think that you know although I'm a Bucks fan in these instances, I do. I do like to um, sort of be unbiased, you know, in, in relation to these sort of incidents. But no, thank you for, um, you know, explaining that uh, one to us, Roger. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is actually um, given to us by Ryan, who's um, our new, am I allowed to announce it? But he's our new co-host along with myself and Stuart. Um, sorry if I've given any spoilers away, but uh, you'll be hearing Ryan um, in some of our podcasts very soon. Um, so Ryan was watching the um, Jets-Cardinals match um, and there was an incident whereby Joe Flacco was sacked and the ball was fumbled and uh, the Cardinals had recovered and on the field it was given a Cardinals ball. Um, Roger, would you like to discuss what happened sure. after this?
1: So. You've got an instant here, and the question mark is, is the player tackled and down, because he was contacted, before the ball came loose? Now, the call on the field is interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, obviously, it's a close play um, between whether he was down and whether or not he, the ball came loose before he was down. So that's obviously the, the, the hard part from an on-field call. The second thing that makes this interesting is that if you watch the replay, the referee actually throws a flag onto the play. Now it's accidental. What he's trying to throw is his beanbag to mark the spot of the fumble. And the reason that yeah. a beanbag is, is thrown is because penalty enforcement will be the end of the run, even though the quarterback is not running as such. Um, it is a run part of the play. And if there was a penalty that was um, taken from the end of the run, that would be the point at which that would go from. Plus, obviously, we've got you know, issues of if he's at fumble, where does it come back to, et cetera. Uh, if it goes forward, yeah. those sort of things out of bounds and a number of other factors. But the beanbag should be thrown to mark that spot. Um, uh, Accidentally, the referee throws his flag and then follows it immediately by his beanbag when he reaches to the right thing. And you see him walk up to the play, pick up his flag and wave it towards the other officials to show that that he wasn't really flagging this. Uh,
0: Yeah, you heard the commentators getting sort of baffled by. Yeah, understandable.
1: It's it's easy in the moment. Um, You know, most officials have things in the right place for them and they know where they're going to be. So they'll know where their radio is, they'll know where um, their, their flag is, their beanbags, bags, etc. And, and, you know, before the play, often you'll see them just check that they know they're in the right position. But, you know, in the heat of the moment when you get a sudden fumble, you reach for your belt and you might just pull the wrong thing out. And that's what he did. Um, so it was interesting from that perspective because it looks like it's a flag, but that's the reason that the flag was thrown is it was an accidental flag. Um, so it was the flag was waved off but then the beanbag mark in the spot then in terms of replay replay this is a very close call which is again why they're interesting Uh, but it's very clear to see in replay that Flacco actually gets a knee down on the ground before the ball is clearly out and that's been the important thing and I know Ryan has has spotted this he said well you know the, the, the guy that was tackling upset the ball and yeah that's what ultimately called the ball to come loose, the, the tackle. But he still had control of that ball at the time his knee first hit the ground. Yeah. Then, shortly afterwards, the ball came completely out. It,
0: exactly. It was milliseconds. Yeah, I, wasn't it, it pretty much. Replay I mean, replay
1: is easy to yeah. look at in slow motion. You think, oh, yeah, that ball came out, you know, but it came out very, very quickly after the knee. And that's that important difference. The knee was down before the ball was clearly loose. So it was overturned yeah. in replay. Fantastic. And
0: yeah, the right decision in in my eyes as well. Only just uh, Yeah, on as you said, said very, was, close, uh,
1: very close, very but...
0: close. Uh, it was the last camera angle, I think, yeah. <laughs> that I looked at that I thought, yeah, that's it. But when you looked at sort of two or three different ones, it was still sort of 50-50. Yeah, it, it? was. So, and,
1: and that's the important thing. Different yeah. views, as we've said before on this podcast, different views might give you a different opinion. And the referees are obviously yep. looking in from one particular place. Sometimes we see something on a camera replay that they don't see. And we can say, oh, that should have been called. But, you know, they didn't see what we saw. And it was only when we saw it from that angle did we see a piece of evidence that actually made us go, oh, that's obvious now. Exactly. The next one we're going to talk about is with the
0: um, Seahawks-Vikings game. So I know a few weeks ago uh, we sort of talked about the sort of the top rule with uh, Brady, um, you know, the throwing arm in motion, um, you know, against the Raiders, everyone yep. obviously who watches classic, classic games, game, yeah, is, absolutely, f- fully aware of you know that particular rule, although it was around for a long time. But you know that is sort of one of the most famous plays that sort of had an impact. Now, in, in this particular game, um, you know, a couple of instances with Kirk Cousins where he's got his arm in motion as if he's throwing the pass. And on both occasions, uh, the the officials call call it a fumble, um, you know, rather than an incomplete pass. Um, One, obviously, the first. correct me there. Actually, the first
1: one was ruled on the field as an incomplete pass, or was a pass that was thrown, not a a fumble, Ah. and it was overturned in replay. Of course,
0: sorry. No worries. Apologies. Yes. But is and then the other one was the, towards the, the end of the, the game. the timing mm.
1: sequence of these actually probably is important to the referee through both of these. Um, but yeah. carry on with the, the introduction. We can then talk about how that makes a difference.
0: No, and I was just going to say, I mean, the other one was obviously towards the end yeah, of the game. Yeah, very end of the game. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> pretty much. You could see the... Look on Kurt Cousins' uh, face at the end of it as well. He wasn't. He wasn't very happy. Yeah, time ran
1: out on the yeah. play, so um, obviously a very crucial yeah. play when they were trying to um, um, trying to score.
0: Yeah, but what are you going to do with like even if you had two seconds on the clock?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the probability is low, but you know, <laughs> we all know in football yeah, that, still so that any given Sunday,
0: unless yeah. can lose, yeah, yep. certainly yep. know about that. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on these two? So Um, if
1: we take the first one, so just going back, step through them again. So on the first one, the referee had ruled it that the quarterback's hand was moving forward with control of the ball. Now, the important difference is it's hand, not arm. Um, I know you use arm a couple of times, but it's the hand movement nowadays that is actually the, the key part of it. So he has to be in control of that ball when his hand is moving forward for it to be an attempt at a pass. Now, it's easy to see in hindsight why the referee thought what he did, because the ball travels about 15 yards forward, but it was propelled by the arm that came forward, not by the hand. Um, So the referee on the field had called this uh, a pass. In replay, it was overturned because they could see he didn't have control of the ball, clearly didn't have control of the ball, therefore it was a fumble. So we now position this, and we go going into the fourth quarter. So the same referee who marginally, because we, we all know he is a very close place in terms of timing and view, um, had called the previous one a, a, a pass rather than a fumble. So we now get a very, very similar yeah. situation the last play of the game with the clock running out. And the quarterback again looks like he throws the ball. The question mark is is his hand moving forward with control of the ball? And maybe he was influenced by the fact that he got it wrong on the first one and erred a little bit on the side of um, ruling the other way this time. And he ruled it a fumble um, and not a forward pass. Now, this was so close in replay um, that replay let it stand. Now, if you look at the replay, it does look like these two been the most important words it does look like he still had slight control of that ball and it was coming off his fingertips as his hand came forward however the important thing is looks like looks like isn't enough to overturn in replay it needs to be clear and obvious yep. so whilst if you were reofficiating that play you'd probably said yeah he did have it just about in control when his hand was coming forward. It was there for a pass, not a fumble. In replay, it wasn't clear and obvious that that was the case, and therefore replay let it stand. As a result of that, the clock ran out. The game was over. Um, On the um, uh, broadcast, they actually cut to Terry McCauley, who was an NFL referee for many years, um, ask his opinion, and and, in it, His exact words, it looks to me like it is. Looks like. Yeah. It isn't good enough to overturn and repay. Looks like. It was clear that this happened, not it looked like it could be. You know, there's too much vagueness in in the statement. Anytime you actually say, it looked like to me that this was this, it's not clear and obvious. Otherwise, you'd be saying it came came out or he had control. It's a definitive statement. It's not a, yeah.
0: Exactly. And a lot of learnings from that one. I mean, particularly for those sort of new to the game. So it's not always looking at, well, it's not looking at the arm movement. It's looking at how the hand motion is and whether, you know, it looks as if, you know, the quarterback has got control of that when he's sort of releasing that. So that's an interesting way to sort of look at it, you know, when uh, next time you, you know, you're you're in these yeah. sort of situations. Um, you know, and hopefully then you guys can make the right call as well on the field. You know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah, most definitely. But the next one was from last night's game. So I remember messaging you on the group because I was watching this game uh, live. So apologies if I uh, don't if worry you, if you up, didn't. Uh, you might be... Oh, that's good. <laughs> so this was uh roughing the kicker call in the uh, second quarter. Um, the Chargers are um. Obviously, you know, free and out, um, go to punt it in the fourth. Uh,
1: the punter gets, well, <laughs> yeah. my, I, I mean,
0: I'm not, I, yeah, I'm not a Saints fan, but I think this was harsh on the Saints personally. But what, what okay. are your thoughts? So
1: firstly, we need to look similarly at punters as we do at quarterbacks. When they're in the process of, th- of throwing or kicking the ball, their focus is elsewhere. Therefore, they get a little bit of extra protection. Now, we have two different fouls that are potentials on a punt kick. So we have a running into the kicker, which is a five-yard penalty, not an automatic first down. And we have roughing the kicker, which is an automatic first down and a 15-yard penalty. So let's try and break down why you would have one or the other. The first thing to consider is what happens to the kicker so if you visualize it a different way the kicker's in his kick in motion and a guy goes to try and kick the ball and knocks his kicking leg the one that's in the air and he spins off his axes and he falls over okay that's not as yeah. serious as if his leg that's standing on the ground is hit because now he's got no way of protecting himself he comes crashing to the ground yeah. um, without any protection. So the kicking leg versus the plant leg are two important leading indicators to whether it's roughing or running into. Now, in this particular example, the kicker is so much in the process, he's actually in the air when he's contacted. But yeah. what happens, it's a little bit unfortunate because I think the um, the oncoming defender Tries his best to stop the kicker falling. Stop! not You right can see air. that. Even unfortunately, even motion yeah. sideways, what doesn't he does he is he grabs an the leg that's in yeah. the air and he lifts it up, maybe in an attempt to stop him coming to the ground. But what happens is that because it's one leg, he actually flips him, and so he flips his leg up into the air further, and he lands on his back. So he's got no way of protecting himself in that position. And I think that's what there would influence why it would be the roughing variety rather than the running into variety. Not because it was, he took out his plant leg because his plant leg wasn't on the ground, Uh, but it was the fact that he was flipped and came down. So he came crashing down with no protection. That's really why that would be one rather than the other. Now, interesting enough, later in the game, there was a... uh, call from the commentators for a very similar um, roughing the punter flag. um, And they say, oh, there was contact to the punter. But if you actually look at that play, there's an important difference that happens. And there are two things I'll mention in terms of what would mitigate the circumstances to the defence. The first one is if the defensive player is trying to come in to block the kick, if he gets fingers or hands or something on the ball before he takes out the kicker, It doesn't matter what happens after that. He can take out the kicker, even if he hits the plant leg. If he's touched the ball first, he's blocked the ball first, then his landing, it doesn't matter. So you'll see when kickers or when the defenders are trying to block a kick, they will run parallel to the line of scrimmage, trying to block the kick, not going at an angle towards the kicker. Reason is they're trying to actually get in front of it, to block the kick, not to take the kicker out. It's so a difference in their approach. So that's the first one. So if you get your fingers on it, hand on it, then you're absolved from the hitting the, the punter after that. This particular one in the Chargers game was actually a different type of mitigation. So when you go through as a defender, obviously you've got to protect the kicker. If, however, you are blocked into the kicker by one of the offensive players... Yeah. It's not your responsibility that you got there. You weren't under your own control. You were being pushed into. And that's the other variety where you'd get away. And that kicked later in the game, while there was contact to the punter, it wasn't a foul and wouldn't be a foul for running into or roughing because of the contact by the offensive player that pushed the defender into the punter. So it's not the the defender's responsibility then, it's the offensive tackler or blocker in this case that's uh, responsible for that action. Sure. Interesting.
0: So that you know in all honesty that explains a lot in terms of the the play calling there from the official most definitely um no worries so yeah thanks for that roger um I understand that you've got a, an extra one that you might want to talk yeah, about There well. is, is another one, which like, is it's it's quite an interesting
1: one. play and brings a couple of di- different rule things into play. It, it is, unfortunately, it wasn't a successful yeah. um, play. Um, it was in the Dallas game the other night. And as we know, the, the DAC incident probably was the one thing that overshadows the whole of the Dallas game. But there was an attempt by sure. the Giants um, looking like they're going for a field goal. And actually, they, they faked it. And they threw to Evan Ingram. Oh,
0: yeah. I remember now, this
1: one. <laughs> so, yeah. two things. The play was called back because the line never set. Um, so, as we've talked previously on the podcast, there are a number of things that you have to do as the offence before you can snap the ball. One of those is you have to be still for a second before the snap. They never got still for a second. And anytime, particularly on a, uh, a dodgy sort of play, the officials will make sure the letter of the law is followed. So even if it was fractionally not set for a second, they're going to throw it if you're trying to run some sort of fake play. So uh, it was unfortunate because it was a very good play that stopped what would have been a touchdown. So it was Giants' fault. But if they'd have executed it correctly, the interesting thing was about this play was that Evan Ingram had participated in the down before, Obviously, when at the end of the third down, when they're going to go for a field goal, a lot of personnel change on the field. The kicking unit come in, the general offense people go out. Now, you're not allowed to use that process to try and deceive the opposition. But there are some things you can do that you're allowed to do. So let's take the things you're not allowed to do just for a second, and then we'll talk about Ingram and how he managed to do what he did. So what you're not allowed to do sure. is bring somebody in from the sideline and have them just stand very near to the, the um, touchline on your side of the field. Um, the reason for that is, obviously, the defense uh, can't see that player coming into the game, and if he just stands on the sideline near to his own bench, he might blend in with the, the uh, other teammates, and they may not see him being there. Um, so an incoming substitute has to come all the way into the numbers can then go out to the sideline, but he has to have come into the numbers first to participate in that play. Just at the defence, now, right, there's an incoming substitute. Now, he's he's definitely here, and now he's gone out to the sideline. We can then mark him. However, Ingram was on the third down play. So as the substitution process happened, he's allowed to not be inside the numbers um, because he was already on the field. So they already were marking him from the previous play. So he just meanders um, casually as if he's going to be going off the field, um, but doesn't. Uh, yeah. And then you know, turns around and then just sort of stands there, not very close to the sideline. And there are a couple of things that he's not allowed to do or you're not allowed to do in this circumstance, even though he's he not necessarily has to come into the numbers because he was already there for the down below, uh, down before. But he's also not got to be yeah. too close to the bench uh, again, for that substitution process, if he, he just wanders to the bench and stands on the sideline, even though he's on the previous play, he's not allowed to use that substitution process to hide like that. However, because the play was downfield, and very near to where a field goal would be taken from. He's not near the bench. The bench areas finish at the 32, which is a kick from something like the 25, 27-yard line. So he has to be more than five yards from the bench, but he was uh, both distance from the sideline and also distance from the bench because uh, he was further downfield than the bench was. So he's allowed to be there. So it's an unfortunate thing that the, the Giants had a great play and Ingram was completely unmarked because everybody just didn't see him come onto the field or stay on the field. And therefore, he was yep. completely open. So when the, the the snap was there, he the ball was dunked to him, touchdown. Unfortunately, um, they didn't get the playoff correctly. So it, it didn't go in the books like that. But uh, it would have been a good one otherwise. And it would have been legal, yeah. even though those circumstances can have lots of things that can be illegal to stop people uh, cheating in that way.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I, I saw Judge's just reaction after that play. He was not happy. You imagine you work on something like this all week, um, or, or even throughout the year. You probably work yep. on you know these sort of special team plays. How many of them no, are you going to pull off? No, the year? unfortunately, many, you know because. As soon as you've done it once, you don't really. No, do you it can't again, because Dave, you're uh, being watched by the team, you know, and they're scouting
1: it. those sort of special team plays. We're we'll looking out for them. You know, so yeah, so one of those plays you can't run very often, um, for that very reason. But uh...
0: yeah, so it's every um, you know, coordinator's <laughs> nightmare, isn't it? Especially the special teams coordinators. Can you imagine? But that's the way you know football goes, and you know, in the Giants' case, you know when your luck's not in you know you're gonna you're gonna get these sort of calls unfortunately but it's been an interesting um interesting few scenarios um you know in week five most definitely um varied ones because normally we've had um sort of a lot of the sort of two or three of the same yeah variety variety and expose different different rules that come into play Yeah. yeah most definitely um so let's see what week six brings. I mean, it's going to be. Well, we be haven't finished week five week. yet. We've let's got Tuesday games. We're we'll we'll recording.
1: We're recording yeah, this on the Tuesday bro- for those people who might see it later in the week. Yeah. But um so yeah, we've got a game tonight that um, might bring some incidents. So.
0: Bills and Titans. Yeah, most definitely. I'm looking forward to that game. To be honest, yeah, it's nice to it get some football on. A, <laughs> Although a Tuesday night, to be fair, it? we're
1: not having the Thursday night football yeah. this week because of all the changes that are going on. So it's good to have the Tuesday instead of the Thursday at least.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it works out for me because, I mean, I work uh, Fridays, Friday mornings um, and obviously work Thursdays as well. But I have Wednesday off. So this is ideal for me so I can relax and and watch this, not having to worry about anything but the school pick up. So, you know, it's very ideal for me. Plus, there's fantasy implications as well. My son needs, um, let's see. So my son needs half a point and he's got Johnny Smith and the Bills defense. So he's 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 already he's already <laughs> convinced that he's won. But I was like, look, you just don't know. The Titans could get thirty-five points against the Bills. You just don't know, and the Bills may be on <laughs> minus, and then Joni Smith could just have a complete yeah. you know, nightmare of a game. So no, especially this season. I mean, of all um, seasons,
1: you know, the so many changes and you know fixtures not happening, fixtures moving to different yeah. days. So it's uh, one you definitely got to be on top of. Exactly.
0: So. It's so confusing because I've got Josh Allen as my QB because mm. I didn't know the status of the game. Um and I've got <laughs> Brady as my second QB. Brady was obviously playing Thursday night, and I thought, well, if I don't play Brady on yeah, Thursday
1: night, nobody. Yeah. and
0: then the Bills game's cancelled and I've got nobody. So I had to I kind of was forced to play Brady, regrettably. And uh he yeah, he he didn't have the best sort of points. Well, best best choice, today. really
1: best choice. Um
0: but any Yeah, I think I've gone with the right one. Um, Any sort of plans for the rest of the week? Yeah, I've got a board meeting for the Referees Association this evening. I'm
1: training up a rookie as well at the moment, so I'm going to do a bit of training with him. And um, a few other things football-related later in the week as well.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You're saying sort of training up a rookie. So how how long is the whole process from... What does one have to do? So for those listeners out there who might be interested in sort of officiating... You know locally yeah how do they sort of um, we do in
1: individual this? rookie training and we do some group training sessions as well and um, the training can be as quick or as long as is needed mm-hmm. so the guy that i'm actually got today he's very familiar with nfl rules Now, whilst that is good, because he's been following the NFL up to date with the rules, there are some differences between the NFL rules and the college rules or the IFAF rules, the International Federation of American Football that we actually follow in the UK. But they're very similar. So he's got a good grounding and he used to to play as well. So obviously that helps as well in terms of the understanding of formations and those sort of things that uh, uh, intricate detail that you would otherwise not necessarily follow um but it it can be short i mean my i mean i played and coached um and i had a good understanding of nfl rules before i was an official and i think i had uh, four training sessions uh, lasting an, an hour an hour and a half each um and then you um take a competency competency exam if you pass that one, then you're allowed on the field. And then, obviously, the, the real training starts then. So you not only have to know about the rules, but also where you need to be on the field, yeah. what you should be looking for. So there's quite a lot once you actually get onto the field before you really are um, qualified. Um, but um, get on the field, it's, it's not too long. Um, so uh, if anybody's interested, then uh, yeah. bafra.info, British American Football Referees Association, .info and uh, if uh, anybody wants to join we welcome and we can uh, take them through and uh, have some football in the UK fantastic
0: well that's that's all folks that's been a it's been a fantastic podcast and yeah here's to you know week 6 hopefully
1: yeah should be being Thanks a good
0: too. one bye Right.